have some news for us. I do, I do have some news. I was inspired by Danny, and I, I also got COVID. Not from Danny, because we're in different places, but in my own special no. way. So we so. lied to everyone, we were not safe. Um, I'm actually right next to Mark. And that's how we always record. <laughs> Let's use this for science so that you can get some COVID through Discord recordings. Yeah, it's a... Uh... It's really... Well, it's... I'm doing much better now, um, but it's weird. Like, I have had it for about five days, or I've been symptomatic for about five days. And like I was telling you, I'm at the point right now where I'm not really sure if I'm still exhausted because of the COVID, or if I'm exhausted um, because I can't eat anything right now except for, like, crackers and water. Everything else... You didn't do any... You can't do ramen? I did a bunch of ramen. I could probably do ramen. I've got to get someone to go out and get me ramen is the issue there. I was uh, lucky. My because the other thing like... was my debit card got hacked, so... Oh, yeah, I remember I have that. no money... Um, and I, I have so much stuff going on. The same time I got COVID, the day I got COVID, we switched our internet. So we turned off our Wi-Fi and we brought in, uh, the new router and the new modem. Um, and I was, I was having trouble setting it up, but I was like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I'll deal with this tomorrow. And then tomorrow ended up being the day that I got COVID. So I haven't been like trying to start our Wi-Fi because I've just been mm -hmm. asleep. So I'm coming to you now via, like, phone data. Um, and also, um, because of the debit card thing, I had no cash to do laundry. So I have I have no clean laundry. And Gross. I'm just surrounded by a pile of, like, dirty clothes. So I have dirty clothes, food. I've been... Um, my ramen substitute has been, like, uh, rice pilaf. Mm. I'll probably make some of that after I get done here. Although that kind of messed me up the other day, too. Whatever. So, Mark, do you want to know what's going on with me? Yeah. I'm old now. I'm 27. Uh, yeah. <sighs> Every year I get closer and closer to my own demise. But that would be the same if I wasn't aging. Even if I was like Benjamin Button, you know, he gets younger, but he still gets closer to death. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't done anything. I've been dealing with COVID too. <laughs> uh, like, I don't know. Can you, can you rank, can you rank your favorite ramen flavors? Uh, no, because my aunt only had the same ramen flavor. So I've only been eating the same ramen flavor. Drop um, your ramen flavor. I don't know what chicken? it is. I think it's just chicken. But, like, mm. it's, there's no actual chicken in it. There's corn. You know, there was a time this week where I sneezed. Well, no, no, I started coughing when I was eating the ramen. So none of the noodles got up my nose. But then, like, an hour later, I blew my nose and corn came out. So, like, that was a... That was COVID for me. Was I was snotting up corn. I don't know. I caught up on some TV. I watched McGruber and Miss Marvel. Uh... I have a Marvel podcast, so if you want my Miss Marvel take, be sure to listen to that in about a month or so. I don't know when that episode will come out. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. I I don't know. Not a lot's going on. I do plan to make my return to the world today because I think my symptoms are mostly gone. I'll wear a mask. I want to go to a movie. 
They have a one-off showing of Mad God at the music box that I really want to catch. Um, I am past my quarantine date, to be clear. I am past my quarantine date. My symptoms are gone, from what it feels like. Um, but I'll wear so mask up and be like considerate of those around me. Um, but no, yeah, not much has been going on here. It's we're recording this on July fourth. You know what a great day in American history, the beginning mm. of our great great country. That is amazing. Should we just go into our games? Let's just do our, let's just do our games. Let's, let's we're get, all let's sick. Get all right. Let's <laughs> we're all sick. Um, game time. All right. As always, I have ten movies. Put air quotes around that because one of these is not a movie, uh, but it is listed as a movie on Letterboxd. Um, ten movies for you, randomly sorted, and you can pick a movie, a number. I will say, I'd say all ten of these are pretty well known. Except for three of them. So if you have bad luck, you're going to pick three movies that are not well known. But hopefully you don't have that bad luck with your picks. So pick a number okay. one through ten. Four. No, no, no. I take that back. Two. Okay. I think I guess four Both of them, too both often. Of them are well-known movies. Four and two, so. Okay. I just but think I pick, pick four two? too often. I need to mix it up. In order. Ghost in the Shell, 2017, Aeon Flux, Alita Battle Angel, Ultraviolet, The Chronicles of Riddick. Wow. That's a lot of movies that I, like, would like to see. Um... You want to watch the Ghost in the Shell remake? Oh, no, no, no. Man... I, so it's so interesting. You had that thought, and I was like, "Oh man, I love Ghost in the Shell." And then you were like, "The remake," and then I was like, "Oh, I don't care so much for that." And then my brain just went back to thinking that it was the original Ghost <laughs> in the Shell. Like my brain refuses to acknowledge that it was remade. <laughs> um, all right, so it's a sci-fi action property, um, live action. May have had uh, comics influence, but it's not a Marvel property, um, or, or not like a not like a big one. Uh, Blade. No, not Blade. Give me another guess. Was Blade a good guess? Uh, I would say it does not come up in the twenty-five most similar films to this. Wow! So All right, I would Blade guess no. was a bad it's not guess. A good guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I would say no. It's not a good guess. <laughs> um, it needs a martial arts element. Otherwise, I'd say Dark City. Um, Rush Hour. Rush Hour. No. The year you get, because this is when you get the year. Is 1999. The Matrix? Yeah. <laughs> You're guessing around the obvious one. Yeah, uh, man. Because I never... It's it's like... I don't know... Because you, you rewatch a lot of... I don't know. I, I saw The Matrix in 35mm. And it was gorgeous. Oh, cool. I, yeah. I really thought this game was going to be about like how Letterboxd works. But it's really much more about like how well I know your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I because... mean, to be clear, I think all these are pretty, like, other than Ghosts in the Shell, I'd say all these are pretty, like, yeah, I could see how that's connected to the Matrix. And then the yeah, next I mean, I definitely you... see how they're all connected to the Matrix, but it's like when you watch The Ring, and I was like, why on earth would you watch The Ring? And yeah, well, I don't know uh... if you just would casually, but you had, like, a thing for it. So it's like, I have to think about you, and I have to think about, you know, what special movie options are showing near you. I feel like if I'd given you the next film, you would have guessed The Matrix anyway, even if out the year. It was Equilibrium, the uh, Christian Bale movie, where he's wearing, like, one of the more obvious Matrix ripoffs, you know? Oh, yeah. Equilibrium really should have been my, my ge- like, a guess that I made. It's funny that I yeah. mentioned Dark City, which is the original Matrix, but I did not actually mention the Matrix, because I thought the Matrix was too obvious. Well, well, what's interesting to me is that Dark City does not come in the first 25 on this. To be clear, the first three are Matrix Reloaded, Matrix Revolutions, and Matrix Resurrections, so I removed them. So yeah. Well, Dark City is a noir, and Matrix is an action movie. All right. But they are um, basically the same. Everyone should go check out Dark City. All right. Give me another number. Nine. All right. I'm ready for you. Now, some of these you might not know the year on, and if you'd like to know the year of the movie I said, you can tell me, okay? Okay. So these are The High and the Mighty, Skyjacked, Earthquake, Zero Hour, and Sully. Man, I am in trouble. Um, <laughs> the Towering Inferno. No. Um, airport? Yes, it is Airport. Airport All screened right. at the 70mm Festival. Yeah, I mean... I mean we, so, yeah, we, weirdly, that's that's one of the things I have, like, that deep knowledge about is, you know, I just know that Airport exists. <laughs> What did you I've think of it? I've never seen that movie. Uh, you know, I really liked it. Well, okay, let me phrase. It's not a good movie, but it's a fun movie. It's um very, like, it is as advertised, like, the prototypical, like, Emmerich disaster movie. Where, mm. like, we're just cutting to all these different people. And none of them really have anything to do with each other. Uh, it has some nice morals for the 70s where it's like, yeah, you should get divorced and immediately, like, date your coworker. Why not? Uh, and it, also, the thing I was really pleased about after I saw it was, like, there's very clearly a standout, like, role in it. And I looked it up afterwards, and that role won Best Supporting Actress. So it's like, oh, that's amazing. Great. I'm glad everyone agreed with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it was fun. It's a little long, but it's fun. All right. Your last number. Give me a number. Number one through ten. You haven't said yet. One. Okay. I should look up what happens in Airport. Cause I've heard Airplane is just a remake of it. Yeah. Alright. Which is baffling to me, because Airplane is such a better title. Alright. Prometheus. Star Trek The Motion Picture. Sunshine. Arrival. Planet of the Apes, the original. Uh, Deep Impact? No. Event Horizon? No. 1968 is your year. Oh, wow. The Day the Earth Stood Still? No. The next film you get is Interstellar. 2001? 
Yes, 2001: A Space Odyssey mm. is the yeah, answer. The 70 millimeter fest. Yeah, obviously I saw it 70 millimeter. Uh, I want to point out that 2010 is not listed as a similar film until like I think it's 13. It's the 13th most similar film to 2001, which I think is a uh, kind of low. Uh, <laughs> I don't think anyone's seen 2010. What? I don't think anyone's seen 2010. That's fair. Um, what I was going to say is 2001, I'm going to put my brother on blast here. Like, put him on blast yesterday, and he was like, what are, like, that's dumb. Is my brother turns off movies at the worst time, because he, I saw 2001 with him, my older brother, and he said to me, like, as, like, we were leaving, he's like, I feel like I could have left 30 minutes early and got the gist of that. I'm like, what are you talking about? The last 30 minutes of 2001 in a theater are the best part of 2001 and the reason this is a bad turn on my brother is because my brother also wanted to turn off actually i remember right he tells me because i talked to him about it yesterday and he's like i didn't do that and i'm like well you told me this at the time uh he said to me he turned off the irishman with 30 minutes left in it because he read it up on wikipedia and said that there wasn't anything left i'm like that's the point the whole point of the irishman is the last 30 minutes all right i'm ready for the game of lists all right so this week on the Game of Lists, I have chosen the AFI's top 100 films of the past 100 years, or, or whenever they made the list. And when was this? When was the list made? This particular list was made in uh, 1998. Well, I'll I'll do the updated one. So this week did AFI's 100 years, 100 movies, and this is. I'll, we'll do the 10th anniversary edition, which was released in 2007, um, 10 years after they did the first one in 1998. Um, and the 1998 list is, I don't know if it's well known for being very conservative, but if you read about it, it's very easy to see like glaring omissions, like do the right thing is not on the 1998 list, but it's on the 2007 list. Um, and th- I mean, there are a bunch of stuff like that. Uh, Jonathan Rosenbaum, uh, the critic wrote a whole thing about why the, why the list is terrible. Um, and you should go read about that if you want some actually good uh, American movie recommendations. AFI, they pulled, um, about, let me see, I believe it was 1500, uh, film people. To vote. Okay. Um, so, game of lists. I'm gonna give Let's Danny. What? Yep. We're gonna. I'm gonna give Danny two movies on the list, and he's gonna guess which one is ranked higher. All I right. like how you give the the spiel. I didn't even explain how the letterbox game works. <laughs> spiel is important. <laughs> um. All right. All right. First two movies are Modern Times. And A Clockwork Orange. Modern Times. I feel like Clockwork Orange is going to be pretty low on the list at the time because, like, people probably think it's too controversial. Well, this is 2007. Okay, but I stick by with Modern Times because it's Modern Times. Come on, people love Charlie. Well, actually, uh, Clockwork Orange is number 70 and Modern Times is number 78. Come on. So so begins, you know, another like 
trying to trick Danny. <laughs> Next two movies. Some Like It Hot and Sunset Boulevard. Ooh, this one's tougher. Um, so, I'm going to double down. I'm presuming the lighter film is going to be higher and go Some Like It Hot. At some point, I will be right on the lighter film being higher. <laughs> no. Sunset Boulevard <laughs> is higher up. And this, uh, it's 16 versus 22. And this is a callback to the first time we did this game where I, I tried to trick you because BFI ranked Some Like It Hot higher than Sunset Boulevard. Come so, on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, last two. The Graduate and Pulp Fiction. Okay. I'm going to again go lighter, presumably, even though I haven't seen it. I presume The Graduate does not include... Well, I'm just going to go with The Graduate. I feel like The Graduate will be higher just because it's older. You know what I mean? Like, it is more time to be deemed a classic than the... 12 years? Yeah, 12 years since Pulp Fiction at this point. Mm -hmm. Like, if Pulp yeah. Fiction's higher, it's the equivalent of, like, say, uh, what's the movie from 20... The Social Network being ridiculously high on, like, an all-time list. So I'm gonna go mm -hmm. with um, The Graduate. You are correct. The Graduate yes. is 17, yeah. and Pulp Fiction is 94. Mm. So yeah, yeah. that's my... Like, Pulp Fiction being so low makes sense, because... Like, you do that list now, Pulp Fiction's probably going to be way higher. Yeah. it's but And it's like, funny that you think of The Social Network as an example, because that is also a film that I think of when I think of, like, films that people just love. And I really think, I really think that it's fine and solid on a rewatch, but, like, that it just doesn't... I don't want to... I, I really, mean, I don't want to say I, that it hasn't aged well, even though it hasn't. In, in a, like a billion ways, but it's just like, it's a fine movie. It's not I like... I mean, the thing that aged worse about it was that there's two army hammers in it. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's really, if you just go back to it, it's just like, it's it's really just a movie. Like, for something that is close in my mind, the girl in the dragon, with the dragon tattoo has more rewatchability for me. Mm. To think of like I a dark seen the Fincher girl, the from that era. Mm -hmm. I think the social network to me gets the credit it does because it's like the well, okay. I haven't rewatched Moneyball since theaters, but over the Moneyball, which I can't really even talk about because I haven't seen it in forever. I feel like it's the last time like I really liked Sorkin was the social network, and it's because Fincher's direction gives it enough of a flavor to feel like. It feels equally theirs instead of just pure Sorkin, like his recent stuff has. That's so. actually something I was thinking about the other day. What's the last thing that Sorkin wrote but didn't direct? I think it's Steve Jobs. I'd have to look mm, it up, but I think right. it's Steve Jobs. But I'm I tired think, of I think that would be it. stuff. I really am. <laughs> I'm just like, please just write something again. Because Steve Jobs is alright. Like, I don't hate Steve Jobs. But, like, it's definitely an improvement over the last three he's done. Mm -hmm. And and you know? Steve Jobs is such a great example of, like, without the style 
of David Fincher, you can see that the social network, if it, I mean, if it was, you know, Danny Boyle is fine, but like Steve Jobs is a fine movie and the social network would be that if it weren't for like the tone. Like they're just solid films. All right. Let's talk about Tin Toy. Let's just go through it. We're, we're, we're all tired today. 1988. Sick. I got like no sleep last night, so we're like, all Google. sick. Like the baby in Tin Toy. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. Let's go to the elephant in the room here. The, as immediately when I thought, as soon as I saw the baby, I was like, I feel like the baby. Uh, before I watched, I was like, the baby in this is going to be the big elephant in the room. So when I saw the, the baby, the baby like, should have is, been the end of Pixar. <laughs> The baby is terrifying. The baby should be the bad guy in Chippendale too. Uh, the baby, <laughs> and not only is the baby terrifying, but unlike Tin Choi, who like melts perfectly with like the environment, the baby constantly looks like it's floating off the ground in this. And when the baby drools, it's just like get that away from me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I th- I mean I think the drool is kind of interesting. I think that. Like, everything the baby does kind of doesn't work, but I do think that the drool effect is just, like, interesting. I guess. It's just, like, it's disgusting. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> like, the entire model of, the, like, the baby... The baby, I think, gives Pixar the real... The baby is probably actually... People want to say the baby... Like, Tin Toy, right? The legacy of Tin Toy is that it becomes Toy Story. I think the legacy of Tin Toy... It's the realization that they should not try to realistically animate stuff. Because the baby is horrifying. And in Toy Story, yes, Andy and Andy's mom don't look totally great nowadays. Like, they could, like, they could look better. But they are clearly more stylized than the baby is here. Yeah. Like, significantly more stylized. And also, Uh, it goes may contribute to you know a lot of the playing in toy story is kind of off camera so yeah that was that was something i really liked about tin toy which is the story about a little toy soldier who dreads being played with by the weird looking baby and that's the whole short um but for how much of the character's personality is driven by wanting to be played with by children um, they're, you know, they manage it very well in Toy Story, so you don't have these, like, shots of some freak human playing with the toys. A lot of it is kind of, you know, off-screen or far away, so we don't have to, like, deal with that, you know? Yeah, um, or when it is on screen, you know, it is just like we see Andy's hand, you know? We don't see Andy as a whole. Yeah. Or, I mean, if he is, like, if he's running around with Buzz, they they can get, like, creative with it. And what? Andy doesn't have all these, like, fleshy bits like the baby did. You're right. They're they're much more stylized, and that's a smart move. Flesh, the, the, the baby's face is just so, like, ugh. But what I, I do think, though, like, to be fair, I think we should probably, like, be nicer to this thing. Not, like, not to the baby. The baby's disgusting. Mm-hmm. But, like... Tin Toy, to me, is such a radical leap forward in terms of storytelling from the shorts we've been watching from Pix. It's so weird also to jump back here after we did Brave Little Toaster and be like, oh yeah, uh, these guys are still trying to figure out, like, everything over here at this time. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. 
But, like, it's such a radical leap forward in terms of storytelling because, like, first we have Luxo Jr., which is, like, a very, like, it's a minute long, right? This is five minutes long. This is a very yeah. clear arc for, to- tin- like, Tinny. That's the name of the toy, I guess. Um, Tinny, like, has such an arc here where he's like, oh, I'm a toy. Excited to be played with. Oh, no, it's a baby. I'm going to run away. Oh, but the baby's crying. I want to make him take care of me then. Oh, what? The baby only cares about my box? Well, this is dumb. Like, that is such a big, more dynamic arc than Luxo has in Luxo Jr. And, of course, in Red's Dream, it's just like, oh, he's dreaming and he's sad. Yeah. And this, exploring like, that cl- through the toy. What? I'm sorry. <laughs> you but, you okay. leaned in, like, so accusatory. No, um, I couldn't hear you. No, well, I was I was just agreeing with you, and just just I mean, well, sort of agreeing with you, but also this is my thing again about like sticking to the rules of the objects. So the tin toy is we 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 understand his emotions through all of the tin toy movements that he makes. So it's about the speed of his drum or how he walks, and all these things that a toy could actually do. And we go back to what I said I valued a lot about the Luxo Jr. shorts, where all of these are movements that a, a lamp could really do. So, yeah. I don't know, like... <sighs> the thing here is me trying to, like, talk about this in regards to my childhood, you know? Because, like, that's that's one of the points of this podcast, you know? We look at where we were in our lives when this came out, or when we first saw this. Now... I'm trying to... I should probably look this up. What Pixar short... What movie this was attached to? I think it was Bugs Life, which would also be why I'm not too attached to it, because I didn't like Bugs Life as a kid. Man, I think I'm going to like Bugs Life. Well, no, I'm saying as a kid. Mm. As a kid, it was not one of my rewatched ones over and over again. I'll tell no, you what. No, Tin Toy was on the VHS tape for Toy Story... But the thing is, that unlike Luxo Jr., where it was only a minute long with Toy Story 2, you know, I fast-forwarded Tin Toy. I did not want to watch Tin Toy. <laughs> like, I was like, that baby's creepy. Uh, and also, it's just kind of like, this is what Toy Story was, you know? Did you, also, like, get up and go to your VCR all the time? I sat right in front of the TV, dude. Oh. You know, like, you just sit right from the TV, the VH, the VH, VCR player's right there. It's about to call it a v, VHS player. I'm like, that's not what it's called. I'm so... Oh, well, my, my my TV and the VCR were kind of, like, on top of a cabinet, so you could sit, but it wasn't, like... Oh, no, you, no, no. You no. My, to, like, my, my and... thing was, okay, so there's the cabinet, right? And the TV's in the cabinet. Under the cabinet is a smaller cabinet where the v- VCR player is with a clock on it. And then underneath it is this, ca- like, drawer where you keep all your VHS tapes. And in fact, I can go back home. Well, probably my parents have moved, but I doubt they have because I never go upstairs. But I'm pretty sure my VHS, like, cabinet has not been touched. Like, I could look through all my VHS tapes in there. Find, like, Annabelle's Wish. Find, like, all my Winnie the Pooh VHS tapes. And like I don't know, you know, it's all there. Mm-hmm. Mine was you know, just—it is... was basically like that, but it was a little taller in all respects. So 
I kind of was at a distance because you have to like, I had to be far enough away to see the screen and that kind of put me away from the VHS. So I was, I wasn't as hands-on as I noticed you've been in some of your tales. No, yeah, that's how I, uh, that's how my dog got into the VHS thing, remember, and chewed up the Air Force Perfect Christmas VHS tape, is <laughs> because it was right there. Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, memories, memories of this podcast of a week ago. By a week ago, I mean less than for us, but you know what, we will f- pretend we're all okay. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> This went to the. This isn't the National Film Registry. And this won the Oscar. I'm actually surprised this won the Oscar, to be honest. Yeah, it it's not really. It, it doesn't really have an end. I didn't like the end. Uh, I think it's cutesy that he plays with the box. I think keeping it on tin toy, tinny afterwards, and being like him just like walking away, it's kind of lame. You know what I actually noticed about this one that I thought was funny is that like okay. So it opens with the Pixar, like, scrolling across the screen, and then the Tin Toy title. And then we cut to a close-up on a bag with the Pixar logo, and then over to Tin Toy on the box. And I was like, why are we showing the, the logo and the box, like, the title twice in a row? Choose a side. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just mean, it opens it opens up the world when it shows us the, um, the toys hiding under the couch. Yeah. And then, but that's kind of it becomes redundant information because all they do is tell us that they're afraid of the person. Um, because we never interact with like them again. Like, it's his fault the baby's crying. Yeah, but, but then, like, that turns out to not be true either. The ending just, I mean, if you read about it, the ending was kind of rushed because of production nonsense, but that's, I just don't like the ending. I feel like it needs to... Isn't there some short... It's... Maybe it's, it's, this might be something that actually happens in Toy Story. Maybe it's like Toy Story, it, I think this is what happens at the end of Toy Story 3, where they're with all the young people, and they have this dedicated group of toys that fixes the toys after they've been played with by the children, and I really thought that was what the angle was going to be at the end of Tin Toy, because I haven't seen this in forever. I thought that they were going to send the Tin Toy out, and then every I time think he gets actually, broken. I think that, I don't... I think that's actually in four, because I think in three they don't really care, because they're like, yeah, just let them get destroyed, you know, like. But in Toy Story four, it's like they have the like little bar where they go to where they meet Keanu Reeves, and like the cat is being like sewed up at the time. That like got chewed up by the cat, the cat toy. Yeah, I know, I know I what you mean, but I definitely, I definitely think what I'm thinking of happened at one time. Because, I mean, I th- I'm pretty sure that's kind of the ending of of 3, is is that... Oh, wait, you're right. I think it is in the yeah. um, the credits. I think it's in the credits of Toy Story 3. You're right, you're right. I was just yeah. thinking of... Yeah, where the, like when Ken's like on the thing. Man, I'll just say it right now. I'm not looking forward to revisiting Toy Story 3. I feel like the Ken jokes are probably really dated. But... <laughs> but oh, maybe. About Man. as dated as a movie that's 12 years old can be. I I put on Toy Story two after Lightyear just to see if I was crazy, and the Toy opening Story... scene of Toy Story two is better than Lightyear. Yeah, the opening of Toy Story two <laughs> is better than Lightyear, in like not and I mean we talked I talked about this with Kevin just yesterday, um, 
as of this recording or whatever. That's I mean, we'll but see it's if that like, episode's even out by now. But go on. No, it's it's not. It you know it'll. Oh well, whatever. Toy Story two. The opening is awesome. I might that might be my sick rice pilaf watch after we get done here. Make some make some soup and just watch Toy Story two. But we'll see. I mean, we're we'll be covering Toy Story two in like. A month or two, so I, I don't know. Like, really, you're that's down soon. That. It's well, I mean, it's pretty soon because once you hit Toy Story one, you know they kind of focus on their features for a while because they kept putting out their old shorts with the movie. So, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm ready to talk about the opening of Toy Story two when we talk about Toy Story two because yeah, we don't have to talk about it now. First... I'm just. Yeah. It's probably my first memory of seeing a movie in a theater is the opening of Toy Story 2. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot. Of, I mean, I don't want to go on a whole light tangent, but I think it can be safely said that there are multiple versions of that concept that have done better than the recent movie, including the entire television show they did as a kid that was not produced by Pixar. So... Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe it, but whatever. Tin Toy. Um, what were we talking about with Tin Toy? We were talking about how the ending should have been different. Well, I don't even think the ending should... I think it should end... I don't know. It's just the ending's not satisfying. I think it's interesting that to me, I remember the first three minutes of this short way more than I remember the rest of it. To me, I always remember like, oh, he goes in and there's all the other toys they're scared. That's it. And then yeah. it's like... Oh, actually, he goes out to try to cheer up the baby, even though the baby should not be his responsibility. And the baby just likes the box, and that's the end. I definitely... You know what I did notice with this short that I thought was more interesting than anything else with it? What? It's more important than it being a proto-toy story. It's more important than the baby being terrifying. It's that this film starts the tradition of production babies being in the credits of Pixar movies. Mm. I don't know if you noticed that. Is that it lists the babies that they used as influence. Oh, wow. And, like, that's, like, a tradition that, like, you know, every Pixar movie you watch through the credits, there's a part where they list the production babies, which are, like, the babies, you know, that were born by members of the crew during the long production value. Like, long... Because movies take forever to make. Mm-hmm. Um, Pixar films. I actually forgot to take a look out for the light year. I remember that in Turning Red, I don't remember what they called them. They usually call them something funny nowadays. They don't ever call them production babies anymore. It's like production pandas or something like I don't think that is what oh, it's yeah. labeled in Turning Red. But, you know. Yeah. But I noticed Sorry, that here and I was like, oh, that's cute. Something about. Actually, if I think, this probably is John Lasseter's only Oscar. Now I want to look that up. Really? Because he know because, okay, okay. Competitive, because he won an honorary Oscar for, you know, just uh, Toy Story, t- but that's story. not like a competitive Oscar. Uh, let me look up accolades won by John Lasseter. You know, if it's listed as yeah it, on Wikipedia on no on IMDb yeah it says he only won one Oscar. It's special chief. Oh yeah, it's special achievement for Toy Story, and then it's for Tin Toy. It's the only Oscar he won. Mm. Fingers crossed, it's today is the only Oscar he wins. <laughs> uh, hey, 
Because the only other one he was nominated for was... He was nominated for Cars, which lost to Happy Feet. And I guess he produced Monsters, Inc., which famously lost to Shrek. <laughs> which... <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then, of course, he was nominated for Luxo Jr. as well. Oh, and he was nominated for writing Toy Story 3. Mm-hmm. I don't, like, I don't know. What else is there to talk about with Tin Toy? We're, uh, this is I where, know, you know... I'm so sick. If you watch, if you watch, listen to my other podcast, Snow Club, half the time I apologize for the episode when it's done, because I'm like, I feel like I'm not not holding up my end of the bargain here. But it's Tin Toy. You, you did, What's, you have. You're not... <laughs> you have. Let's, let's, let's go make some soup. And yeah. then we'll come... Should we say what we're gonna, should we say what we're gonna talk about next time? Yeah. Uh, we're gonna talk about another. Next up, we got a short film, Nick Knack. Oh yeah, from I like Finding Nick-Nack. Nemo. Yeah. Nick Knack's next time. We'll see you then. We're tired. Sorry. <laughs> we need Bye. Sleep. <laughs> Looking for the ocean, a Pixar podcast is produced by Mark Young and Danny Vincent. I do the editing, and our artwork is done by Sarah Knopf. Yeah, and you can find us at Facebook at Looking for the Ocean, a Pixar Journey. You can find us on Twitter at Pixar Journey and on Instagram at Looking for the Ocean Pod. You can also email us at Looking for the Ocean Pixar at gmail.com. If you want to know what I'm up to, everything is available on my website, markyoungperformer.com. You can listen to my other two podcasts, Wise with Ty and Dan and The Snub Club, wherever you can find your podcasts. You can also find me on Letterboxd at Blankments for all my takes on all of the movies. We'll see you next time. See you next time.